NG Meets is brought to you by NG Digital. Visit our website at www.ng-digital.co.uk and you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash NG Digital or follow us on Twitter at NG Digital UK. Hello podcast listeners, welcome to episode 8 of NG Meets and we're delving into the world of poetry this week with our special guest, Nottingham's first ever young poet laureate, Georgina Wilding. And Georgina joined us to talk about the upcoming Nottingham Poetry Festival, which is kicking off this Friday, the 20th of April, runs all the way through to Sunday the 29th. So uh, some great stuff lined up at that. Georgina gives us a bit of an insight into what's going on, but uh, there's an absolute massive event taking place across the uh, nine days that you can check out. NottinghamPoetryFestival.com is the website, uh, and there's the likes of um, Roger McGough, Jackie Kay, Jules Denby, Mark Grist, Holly McNish, William Sieghart, all performing there. Uh, Henry Normal again, who is one of the organisers, as you know, we spoke to Henry in the very first episode of the NG Meet series. He's once again putting on his uh, poetry hour events that take place across libraries, across Nottingham, featuring some fantastic performers. Uh, and there's plenty of other events taking place as well across the uh, course of the festival, featuring poets, as we mentioned there, as well as local poets such as Georgina. Birdie Squires, Leanne Moden, and uh, people like that. Plenty to check out. As I said, head over to NottinghamPoetryFestival.com to find out the full uh, itinerary of events, what's on where, prices, etc., etc. A lot of the events are free as well, which is fantastic. Uh, and there is a there's a massive amount of stuff on every day, so plenty for you to enjoy. And that all kicks off this Friday, 20th of April. Uh, there's a Welcome to the Festival event taking place at Antenna. Uh, that's a £5 entry as well. It runs all the way through until Sunday the 29th. So plenty to check out. A fantastic event. It's great to see that taking place in Nottingham. Well worth checking out. Even if you've never really um, dabbled into the world of poetry before, you'll be surprised just, and as Georgina talks about the show, just how varied and interesting poetry can be. And, you know, it's... It's great, and we talk a bit about in the show about how maybe a lot of people have a preconception about poetry that's instilled in them in the way it's taught to in schools. Uh, but it's this perfect event, and even maybe if you fancy a go as well, there's there's loads of events, open mic type events that you can uh, dip your toes in, and obviously a great chance to meet uh, other people in the poetry world, get advice, speak to people, uh, and get out there. So that's going on. So Georgina will be telling us a bit about that. Her work as uh, Nottingham's uh, Young Poet Laureate and the opportunities that's offered her, the way it's, and, and the opportunities it has to uh, enable her to sort of take the take her knowledge out there, speak to school children, things like that, as well as getting to work with some amazing people, travelling all over the place, and also bringing those people to Nottingham. It was great to sit down with Georgina. Hopefully you'll enjoy the show, as I say. I personally... 
have a very limited knowledge of poetry and it was a fascinating conversation and certainly has made me far more interested in uh, delving into that world. Hopefully it have the same effect on you. Uh, enjoy the show. This is NG Me's episode eight with Georgina Wilding. Georgina Wilding, who is the Nottingham Young Poet Laureate, with you, which obviously, congratulations on that first, which is pretty awesome. Thank you. Uh, and you're joining us today, we're going to have a chat about um, your work in poetry and obviously the, uh, the Nottingham Poetry Festival, which kicks off this week, yeah. the 20th. So, um, if we start with the festival then, obviously you've got some big plans uh, for that so what would you say if you are some of the highlights of this year's festival? okay so um i've written down some dates um that are kind of the the big gigs um but i have taken the week off work so hopefully i'll be popping up everywhere <laughs> um but the big gigs uh start for me on the 23rd and i'll be with um the lovely stephen lowe from 7 p.m in antenna and we're doing kind of an in conversation with event um, and then on the 24th, I'll be performing at the UNESCO Presents event from 5pm at Blackwell's Bookshop at the University of Nottingham. And that's actually with other poets from all different kinds of UNESCO cities of literature. So we're flying people in for that. Wow. One. Um, and then on the same day from six o'clock, I'll be with Henry Normal performing in Arnold Library. And then on the 29th, I will be supporting Roger McGough at 7pm at Lakeside Arts. So they're all the big dates. Oh, that's some great, um, great events there. Yeah. That's all in one week. <laughs> I mean, you mentioned some uh, fantastic poets there. We've got poets coming from all over the globe mm. and obviously as well as uh, some great local yeah. poets. So it's, it's a fantastic event. And I think, is it is this the third... It is. This is the third year. Yes, yeah, and it seems to get bigger and bigger yeah. every year. So, yeah, it does feel like, uh, and I guess, and part of that, the obviously the the youth poet mm-hmm. event, which was you know there were some great competitors in our entrance into that. Yeah. There does seem to be a real um, surge in poetry in the city, and I guess you know in literature as a whole, obviously with the city of literature thing. But it does feel like, and some amazing things being done with poetry. Mm-hmm and word and spoken word Mm, absolutely yeah I think it's really important especially because we're a city of literature now it's kind of given us um I don't know if I want to say permission but it's kind of given us this tool to say hey hang on a minute we do have a lot of literature here we have new poets old poets people have been doing it for years people have been doing it for months we've got you know literary types across all kinds of um, genres who are here and now I think people are kind of finding their feet a little bit and and finding more platforms because we have got more opportunity now we're a UNESCO city um so yeah I think you're right it it there does seem to be a big bustling energy around it all, yeah. definitely. It does feel like because, and um, obviously uh, we had Henry Normal on the show, and he's now, you know, he's, he's retired from his mm-hmm. his screenwriting days, and he's 
uh, gone back to poetry, which was his first love. Uh, and one of the things we were talking about was, um, for me, like from a personal point of view, I've never really sort of understood poetry, might be the right word. And I think a lot of that comes from how I was taught in school, yes. which I don't think, and I mean, this is, you know, 20 years ago now, maybe it's better. But it, it, you're shaking it. But I, you know, I don't. I remember most of the poem things we taught were, were the same kind of thing, and were very old and very yeah. bland. And I'm not saying that all the old poems are bad, but it's there's, it almost gives, there's an element it almost leads to an element of almost snobbishness and classism about poetry. Yes. Absolutely, you've touched the tip of a ginormous iceberg there, I would say. Um, but you're right, I, I still, to this day, you know, with the Poet Laureate role, part of my kind of duty, if you will, is to go into schools and libraries and work with kids to do poetry. And a few weeks ago, I was in a school and it was when we had the snow. Yeah. And it was the only secondary school to stay open in Nottingham, <laughs> right? So I'm sitting in assembly before they announce me and announce what we're going to be doing for the day. And the teacher says, right, guys, you know, I want you to make the most of today. You are the only secondary school in Nottingham that stayed open with the snow. And there was like a little grumble in, in the audience. Yeah, you know? nice. And then she said, but it's great that you're here because you're going to spend the morning doing some poetry workshops. And the grumble for that was louder than the grumble of people being <laughs> in school <laughs> So, you know, there is that real perception of poetry in schools and it's kind of our job as poets, you know, whether you're a poet laureate or whether you're not, it's our job to kind of show people that it's not perhaps what your preconceptions are. And also, you know, I think the poetry that you get taught in school, I think if I remember right, it was like the the acts of anthologies or something. They were like big plastic booklets with poetry in them and and looking back at them now, some of those poems were absolutely beautiful, but they were just far, far too kind of out there in terms of our, our understanding yeah. then. You know, it's like a, as a way in to give you a poem that's pretty heavy and kind of a different language to what you're perhaps used to. I think it's a bit inaccessible. Yes, uh, yeah, it's, it's almost frightening, isn't it? You really don't, I don't get this at all. And then, you know... Um, it's a bit it's a bit weird because it was kind of like starting reading with Lord of the Rings or yeah, something as yeah. opposed to Puff and Chip or exactly, <laughs> you know exactly. Um, but I'm I'm finding it fascinating and you know, part say apart from partly from my own mm-hmm. ignorance and lack of knowledge of the of some of the, the things I've seen into the different styles of poetry and you've got some amazing groups of poets mm-hmm. in Nottingham doing some wonderful things. Yeah, absolutely. Um and of course, you can. One of the great things about poetry, which I think is similar with music as well, is you can make it so personal. Yeah. Which is obviously always fantastic. Um, yeah. I was listening to um, your poem that you did for the Viking. Oh yeah. And then the Vikings are coming. Yeah. Which I thought was brilliant. It was. And it, it just felt so Nottingham as well, oh, which you. I think, again, is is something that you don't get from the stuff you read at school. Again, it feels like. It all's all come from. Um, I don't know, it seems like it feels like it's all come from well-to-do, very well-off people yes, that you can't relate to, mm-hmm. as opposed to if you go out and some, you know, the, the events, the events that are taking place yeah. uh, next week. Mm-hmm. It, this is poetry you can relate to, mm-hmm. and fun. A lot of it's such fun as well, and in, and um, interactive. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're right. I think there's a lot of wordplay going on now that's perhaps different to to what you see on the page. And and, and that's something to, to touch on as well is, you know, there's something to be said for um, a poem that you read on the page that kind of gives you goosebumps and you can read it over and over again and you can find different meanings. There's something about discovering a poem on the page that's completely different to discovering a poem on the stage, yeah. for example. So you're right, I think that poetry that you kind of hear and experience as almost like a 360 degree thing is very accessible and you know we are in Nottingham where a lot of Nottingham people have a lot to say so it's <laughs> yeah. the poetry you're right <laughs> I think an interesting point you made there I think and maybe that's part of the problem is you are taught at school you taught poetry as part of English literature in the same way that you taught um, books yeah, um, you know, I'm a huge ball. <laughs> I mean, we're sat in a library right now, <laughs> but poetry is probably closer to music. And as you say, so it's that it's 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 a bit like reading, almost like reading lyrics on a sheet. You don't get the same feeling that you do as you when you go to, you know, the Maze or Rock City. And maybe that's part of yeah the problem. I, I think it depends on what genre you read. You know, like. Um... I, I definitely know what you're saying about poetry feeling more similar to music as somebody discovering poetry because it, it is an art form, you're right. And it does feel very different from perhaps reading a novel. It feels much more expressive like yeah. music feels, you're right. Um, yeah, I would say so. And, you know, I think there is a magic to that moment when you first start dipping your toe into page poetry and you find a poem that gives you that yeah. excitement on the page that you found on the stage. Um, so I think different people come into poetry in loads of different ways, but I myself came in through spoken word about six years ago um, and was very much the same when I was told to look up poetry, you know, for that group, I would be looking on YouTube and I'd be looking for performances and looking how people engage with the words. Um, and so that was how I first learnt um, what was what. And then I slowly started to discover page poetry more and more and realised, whoa, this is nothing like what I remember it being yeah. like from back in school. So, yeah, I'd agree. Definitely some musical elements. <laughs> <laughs> I was fine. I mean, well, as one of the things I find with poetry as well is um, if I'm reading it, is getting the, the flow right. And sometimes I can read a bit and then realise I'm not getting that flow right, which can be quite jarring. Yeah, yeah. Um, sometimes, obviously, sometimes it's obvious. Mm -hmm. Particularly a lot, obviously, longer poems, mm -hmm. you can start reading them and think you get, and then suddenly it's like that doesn't, that don't sound that sentence or that line doesn't sound right with the last couple yeah. of lines I've just done. Yeah. And I mean, I'm sure that it's, it's, you know, you just go back, obviously. Yeah, it's an experiment. You know, it's an experiment, and I think, you know, if if you spoke to the the poet who perhaps wrote that particular piece. I'm pretty sure they would say to you, you know, each poem is to be understood differently by yeah. different people, you know. So what the rhythm they might have written it in their head might not translate to you and that will be fine, you know. So, yeah, it just depends. Unless, of course, there's a rhyme scheme and they want you to read yeah, a particular course. rhythm. Then, Yeah, but no, I, I think it is about um, discovering it in, in your own pace and your own style because you can read a poem completely differently, Um Depending on your life and your experiences to the person who wrote it. Yeah. And you mentioned there that you, you sort of came into poetry through spoken word mm -hmm. about six years ago. Was that, was that, was that you just went along to an event and saw it or was that, an, you thought, 
this is something I really want to um, get into. It was a bit of both, you know. So, so I didn't know that I liked poetry until I was about 19. Um, because exactly what you'd said, you know, I'm very much a working class girl. So poetry and anything, you know, theatre, all of that stuff felt completely out of reach for me and yeah. felt completely awkward in any situation that went any near, anywhere near that. However, um, I did really enjoy creative writing and I had a couple of pieces sent back to the school that, you know, people were crediting me for. And so I knew I loved the 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 way that you can pick apart physicalities with strange metaphors and strange descriptions in literature. Um, so when I was about 1920, I joined a spoken word collective called the Martha Poets, which I was directed to by um, a guy who was the head of the college newspaper um, back when I was doing my A-levels. Um, and so, yeah, I kind of went along a little bit nervous, not sure what to expect, and fell in love, A, with the group of people that were there almost instantly, and B, with the way that they kind of addressed poetry. They really kind of pulled it apart and they, you know, they would play videos of people performing and say, right, what do you like? What, do you, what don't you like? How do you think the, they moved their body to reflect the words in the poem? And then the next week they'd bring, you know, they'd print out page poems and they'd pull the page poems to bits and it felt really analytical but then you were sent off to write your poetry which was really creative and you came back into this warm environment where you were getting constructive criticism so you were getting growth you were also getting wild support from everybody and when somebody had written a first draft and it was pretty dull, it would be hilarious you know yeah. we'd be laughing and supporting each other so it was a great start for me to to go in through a group that was a spoken word collective that kind of took the craft really seriously. So I would recommend that to anybody who wanted to get into poetry is see if there's a little a local group that meets and just share your work and share your ideas. Yeah. Really. I think that in the creative community, especially, is so important, isn't it? Finding mm. people, you know, that you can work with because it's it can get can be quite you know writing anything or you know, producing art, it can be quite lonely yeah, and be quite difficult if you can't bounce your ideas off somebody. And as you say, creative criticism, you can't grow without, might not always be, you know, no one particularly wants their work critiquing, but nobody starts off, you know, up, up here, you know, at the top of the ladder, you know, no, nobody, without that creative criticism, you, you're never going to go above a certain. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And something I learned was that people always say to you when you're going into a craft, whatever that craft is, you know, expect constructive criticism. Yeah. You have to have constructive criticism. And I knew that. And I thought naively that that just meant get ready for people to tell you they don't like your work. Yeah. So what I learned actually through writing and performing and gigging and, you know, getting all this feedback was that when people say to you, expect constructive criticism, it means actually listen to what people are saying about your work and try and implement those changes and see what it does to your work. Because you might do it and you might hate it and you might think, no, I disagree with this person. And that's fine because there isn't a law or you know a particular rule, but yeah. definitely listen, take in and try and put that to use, I would say. Yeah. It sends you off in new directions. Yeah. <laughs> so do you, you you joined in with the Marty Poet. Mm -hmm. Do you remember 
sort of the first time you performed yes vividly <laughs> really vividly so it was back in the day when all i knew how to do was rhyme and nothing else which is embarrassing um and i had written a poem and it was about um a, a man called sir frederick and at the end of the poem you realize that the man is actually a dog and it was the most Spike Milligan, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like lively, ridiculous piece. But I'd I'd really kind of taken to the um, theatrical kind of aspect of Mouthy Poets. So I ended up doing it in a character that was kind of like a bit Miss Havisham. So I'd got a big fur coat on and lipstick. I was throwing myself around the stage. <laughs> it was really dramatic. But I remember it so vividly because... At the time, I'd got a little weekend job in a clothes shop on Columbus Street. And, you know, I was pacing around the top floor of the shop, dealing with the customers all the while, saying the words of the poem in my head, getting ready to finish the shift and get to the show. So, yeah, it's kind of burnt into my memory forever that it was a real, real amazing experience, but terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Excellent. And when you're um, putting together a, a poetry, do you have a sort of a way do you have a sort of method to it is there a, do you um do you sort of plot it out how do you how do you yeah. or is it just something that just comes an idea will just come in your head and you go ah mm. I th- i'm learning now it depends so if i write for myself that's kind of very free it's just an, like you said an idea will pop into my head and and i'll kind of explore it and just go wherever that takes me um and I've recently learned a new kind of tip from a poet called Caroline Bird, who is currently mentoring me. And um, she said one of my bad habits in my poetry, she's absolutely right, by the way, is that um, I will explore an idea or like a physicality or a metaphor in a poem so far. And then you can see my brain start to get to what feels like the end of the poem. And then I panic and think, right, what the hell is this about? And then try and put some sort of hook on the end or message on the end. And she explained that that kind of strangles the poem to only mean that one thing. And once she told me, I felt like my mind was blown. So now I'm writing really what feels like much more creatively for my own work. Um, So I will start with an idea, as ridiculous as it might be. I recently wrote a poem that was about the street, um, the bird's were singing notes over the terraced roofs and uh, it was like sprinkling flour over the roofs and by the end of the poem the street was a gingerbread street and people were eating each other's doorsteps (laughs) and so it was really exploratory whereas when I write to commission or to breathe it's totally different yeah totally different because quite often people are asking you to write about things that you perhaps don't know about or you wouldn't intrinsically write about so for that, I've got a bit of a process where I'll get myself a Word document and I'll research whatever it is I'm supposed to be writing about and I'll fill that Word document with facts or interesting little nuggets of information that seem like they could inform a poem. And then I try and mould a poem around those things. So that's much more um, academic, it feels, much more kind of yeah. analytical, whereas writing just for myself feels much more expressive and creative. Um which isn't a bad thing. It means yeah. you get to experience a bit of both. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, I've mentioned uh, the, the Viking. <laughs> and obviously, you know, that's you know, part of the remit of that is obviously to promote the exhibition. Exactly. But obviously but you, but you needed to create something that didn't feel like 
someone was listening to an advert. Yes, exactly. I thought I'll, I'll enjoy. I really enjoyed the whole idea that they were the Vikings were coming over to reclaim. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, even the sort of this sort of ludicrousness of the whole idea because yeah. they were sort of, you know, whatever many years ago. But mm-hmm. of course, I think. Um, Everyone loved, or at least as a kid, everyone loved Vikings, didn't they? You know, I mean, I remember, and I know my, my kids have done the, the trips and things, but yeah, there's, there's something, you, as you get older and learn more about and they're a bit more dodgy, but, you know, there's something, the whole Viking mythology, and and so the idea that they, and, and it's also sounds exactly what they would do, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, Most of the stuff they've got wasn't actually there to start with. Yes. But this idea that they will just set a sail, come back and fetch it, yeah. and your best story up and <laughs> exactly. see it, which I thought was was quite clever. And I mean, as you say, obviously, you've got that process there because they, I'm assuming, they had certain things that they wanted within that poem, um, well, and to get the message out. Yeah. So I mean, so that poem was written with and for Lakeside Arts, who are such an incredible organisation. I loved working with them, especially Shona Powell. She's hilarious. Um, And so basically they just said, you know, we would just like a poem that kind of advertises that exhibition. Do with it what you will. So they were great. They were really freeing with their brief. Um, So they let me go around the museum and look at all the different artefacts and they were, you know, booking in meetings for me to be able to handle the little bits and bobs. And it was absolutely great. Um, But yeah, you're right. That was probably one of the more difficult things to do because it was like, how do you write a piece that is advertising something and trying to pique curiosity and interest? without sounding like oh come to the museum um and it came after I mean I think I struggled for about two days writing bits and then binning them writing bits and binning them before I thought you know what I'm gonna do this like um you know you see like little old women in hairdressers gossiping to the hairdresser like have you heard this yeah. is happening in Nottingham blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so I thought I would try and encapsulate that kind of chatty Nottingham spirit describing the objects in the museum and you're right having that spin where it's like the Vikings are coming back to claim it all because they think we've pinched yeah. it so yeah it was a hard write that one but yes got there worked, the yeah it's, it's, I really enjoyed that one and Yeah, and you also did um, a poem for um, Prince Harry and Meghan yes. Markle for when, as I said, their first official engagement was in Nottingham, mm-hmm. and that was uh, presented on a on a bespoke scroll, I believe, that's with some right. wonderful lace. Yes, that's it, right. So. <laughs> it must have been a, a pretty surreal yet special moment. <laughs> it was. It was. That was. Um, so I, I got the call to say that it. It was definitely going ahead and they were definitely coming and could I write something only really two or three days before they arrived um just because it was you know will they won't they yeah we get to see them won't we you know how how will we do it could we print it on a scroll you know there were a lot of questions around it so yeah the brief came in a little bit last minute but it added to the fun of it because 
you know, I thought, how in the world do you write a love poem for people who live a life that you can't even imagine? Yeah. Like, you know, what? How, being that rich and being in love? I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, being in love for me is like, you know, you and your other half going down the park and maybe you bought a Tesco meal deal yeah. in a magazine. You know I mean? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. You, you're having a little date in the park, I'm Take sure. Away it's on Friday. Curry <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> on the yeah. Exactly. So, you know, I just thought, how do I do this? And I spent what felt like a day just worrying about how do I do it? And then I thought, you know what? No. They are human beings just as we are. And I'm sure that they have their own little intrinsic things that they do and little, little dates and whatever. So, yeah, I wrote a love poem that was very Nottingham and very normal. So people have described it as the most anti-royal royal love poem <laughs> <laughs> because it's, you know, it's about being annoyed at your partner because they leave wet towels on the end of the bed yeah. or they, you know, they blow their nose and they're just chucking the tissue on the side or, you know, very like normal human mundane things, but you love them because without them, you'd kind of miss all of those tissues on the side and the wet towels and the plants that they've not watered and all of that stuff. So yeah, again, you're right. It was a tricky one, but it was a great feeling when I finished it and sent it to the City of Lit team who were like frantically running around. <laughs> um, you know, they, they were really complimentary of it. So that was lovely. And then, yeah, it got printed on this beautiful scroll and it was wrapped in this lovely little box with a lace ribbon. And yeah, it was just amazing. Everything about that feels like so Nottingham, doesn't it? Even, you know, the scrolls, because I guess, you know, Robin Hood and the, yeah. the the castle and the standard, you know, the you know, uh, yeah. Charles raising the standard and things like that, and yeah. of course Nottingham being at one point world famous lace capital of yeah. the world. Absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, he does seem to have a soft spot for Nottingham, doesn't he? Yes, is very glad for that. <laughs> um, so uh, obviously, I, I guess a, a lot of these opportunities have, have come about since the um, the youth poet. Mm -hmm. Uh, so when that was announced as taking place and it was the first time we'd done anything like this in yeah. Nottingham what was it that that made you think yeah I'm gonna have a go at that um other people yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I saw it go live and I saw the call the call for submissions um I think it must have been on Facebook or somewhere um and I was kind of looking at it popping up in my kind of peripheral vision for about two weeks, thinking, oh, is that the kind of thing I would be able to do? You know, at the time when they launched the competition, I was managing a department at work. I was yeah. working a 40-hour-a-week job, plus running a, a little micro-publishing house on the side and trying to gig myself. And, you know, so I just thought, oh what would that entail? Can I do it? But so many people around me were seeing the same, you know, call for submissions online and, and on flyers and messaging me and texting me and saying, you know, I've seen this, you should go for it. You'd be amazing at this. You should do it. So it was actually my amazing friends and, and family and people around me, you know, old tutors who said, don't be ridiculous. You should go for this. You'd love it. That kind of encouraged me to do it. And, you know, I'd been in, in my day job, at that place for about two years so I thought right I'm gonna quit the day job <laughs> I'm gonna go freelance down to three days a week with another organization and I'm gonna apply for Poet Laureate and if I get it I know I've got the time and the scope to do it and if I don't get it I've still cut down my hours so I can be writing more and 
you know, honing my creative skills more to work towards the next thing. So, yeah, it was kind of everybody else slapping me around the head a bit that that shook me to to apply. And I'm so glad that they did. Yeah. It's been incredible. So what was it like when you found out you'd won the role, the, role, the oh title? Honestly, I, I don't know if I could even just give it credit. Um, so for about a month beforehand, it was all I thought about. You know, yeah. I was on holiday in Tenerife with my family. We were laying on the sun lounge just talking about it, like, what will happen if I get it? What will it mean? What does Poet Laureate mean for Nottingham? So there was such a big build-up of excitement and wondering what was going on. Um, and finally, I was at home. So I'd rung in sick this particular day, absolutely full of cold, felt like death, surrounded by tissues. My phone rang and I thought, oh God, because I was expecting it would be work. Yeah. Something's gone on, you know, they need me for something other. Answered the phone and it was Sandy, Sandeep Mahal, who's the, the director of City of Literature. And she, she didn't give it away straight away. She was like, Don't you know, just, I just want to be free for a chat at all. And I was like, yeah, thinking, oh, she's going to give me bad news. <laughs> and then she said, well, I'm ringing to say congratulations. And honestly, I cried, I was ringing my family, I, you know, I just could not believe it. The day that I was ill as well, I've <laughs> been really sorry for myself. And I rang my grandma first, who was subsequently in Topshop shopping with my auntie. And as soon as I said, Grandma, I've just got the phone call, I've got Pope Laureate. She was shouting my auntie, going, Diane, she's got it, she's got it, across the clothes of Topshop. <laughs> so it was just the best thing it really really was it's the absolute highlight of probably my career so far and you're talking to somebody who set up a publishing house yeah. and who has a degree and you know it just honestly has just made made my life it's just such a huge achievement so yeah it was a, it was a crazy moment <laughs> <laughs> and obviously the role it obviously it's a, it's a great title to have but it also obviously comes with responsibilities you are effectively yes. representing the city yes. uh, and the city literature team and I know you've been you means you're involved in UNESCO events mm. you uh, you went to Granada isn't yeah. it? eventually you know, you know yes after all the flight delays yeah. and snow <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was it was that weekend of the snow wasn't it, it was, yes was, unfortunately so um so what what's it like getting I mean that must be incredible to get to go somewhere like that to, to yeah. perform your poetry and, and mix and you know being involved with yeah it is it is it's it's quite um it's one of those things you know when you're in it and you're in the moment it's sometimes hard to process how much of an incredible opportunity it is because you're too busy worrying about right what do I say in this group of people who who are super super successful and who are really literary and really academic and what poems should I be doing to make a good impression and uh, you know you're worrying on a human level of will I be okay will they think it's any good will I do a good job you know so so you have to kind of take a step back and normally for me that happens about halfway through whatever the event is so I'll spend the day or the week worrying and thinking oh god you know I've got to have a meal with the mayor of Granada I'm <laughs> going to put my foot in it you know what am I going to do um, and then you get there and then you kind of realize hold on a minute everybody's a human being and it doesn't matter what background you're from you've all come to the same table yeah you know it's okay so yes it is incredible and you kind of you you do the gig or you do the the lecture or the workshop or whatever it is you've got to do and then you come away from it and you have this feeling of my god did I just do that 
So it's kind of afterwards for me, really, that it kind of kicks in once you can stop worrying about it and you realise, oh, my God, I've just done this incredible thing. And it is mind-blowing, you know. You just think, how have I how have I got here? You know, if you'd have told me when I started my degree, I'd be, like you say, flying to Granada to read poems and meet the mayor. I would not believe <laughs> it. <laughs> so, yeah. And uh, obviously we've got uh, the UNESCO event coming to nottingham in 2019 we talked about about a bit last week so now they're all going to all these people at the moment you're going to are all going to be converging into nottingham which is i cannot wait pretty exciting i cannot wait so i met some of some of the people that will be coming whilst we were in granada and they are such a brilliant bunch honestly nottingham is in for a treat when they get here and and i think you know if you're not kind of I don't know in the loop with the literary scene I guess it would be easy to kind of just look at that and think oh so what it's just a conference like whatever who's interested but there's so much more to it than just a conference it's about collaboration internationally it's about putting all these different cities of literature and you know cities of music and everything else on the map and saying how can we better support our own communities and each other's communities you know it won't just be a meeting and then that's the end it's so much will come from that and it really is something to to follow and to keep an eye on and and get excited about i think because it will benefit the city in ways that we can't even imagine yet so yeah keep your eye on that (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm sure there'll be a lot more information coming out and obviously it's it's a very it's a quite a fresh announcement yeah a couple of years off I'll soon be here. Can't it's quite a sense. But again, brilliant for Nottingham and brilliant for the for literary scene here, which yeah. is, you know, obviously we've we've got a you know, we've got a poetry and literary scene mm-hmm. deep in history, but I think it's having a real great boom yeah. at the moment. Of, yeah. You know, some fantastic you know, talent and performers and things out there at present doing their thing. It's a great spotlight for them, you know, as the the festival is, and uh, obviously you, you you know, we talked about spoken word and the opportunities that offers. But obviously, tech, the speed technology is moving at at the moment, and social media and the internet and things. Obviously, that all, all opens a, a plethora of possibilities of and of different ways because poetry, like you know, is a creative. Um, art it's a you know it's it's and it's fast moving and it adapts you know there's it's not as you say there's not one way to do poetry which i think again was probably what you come out of school thinking oh it's all got to be this very fancy word you don't understand <laughs> things um do you how do you sort of approach that is you looking at the new technologies and things are you always looking at different ways um or are you kind of do you like to stick with you specific? Mm, I, do you know what? I think it depends on the poem and also the poet. Um, something I saw recently that blew my mind in terms of technology and poetry is a poet called Ben Norris. And he did a set at the Angel that I was lucky enough to see. And what he'd done is he'd got his Mac laptop at the side of him all rigged up with a load of speakers. And he'd got audio clips of Donald Trump. <laughs> and he 
prefaced, how do you say that word? Prefaced, prefaced? He said, prefaced, yeah. prefaced, right? so. <laughs> before the poem, not, this is the poem, you can't get words, <laughs> um, Yeah, he said, oh, uh, this is a poem that was written by myself and Donald Trump. Oh, everyone in the room was like, what? And then he played the clips and it's like they're having a conversation between each other in this poem. And it was absolutely incredible. Yeah. It was just great. The whole room was like, you could hear a pin drop because everyone was concentrating on him so much. It's just mesmerizing. So, yeah, you know, I think it depends. And, and I was recently at Nottingham Writers Conference and um, they were looking at kind of coding and did you ever read like the goosebumps books when you were younger and you'd get to a page and it would say or oh, turn to oh, page 48 oh, yeah. yes so there was a lady who'd done a load of coding and she was trying to do that with online kind of storytelling almost like narrative narrative poetry and um i thought that was really interesting but there's also um you can do blackout poetry so um on the Mud Press website, we've built a tool that's basically got three different chunks of copy and you can go on and you can black out all the words that you don't need and make an online poem out of these new words that you found in the pieces. Wow. Yeah, so that's quite fun. Um, but yeah, I, I think it will go in all sorts of different directions. Um, there's Insta zines as well, which people are just getting on now. Um, I tried to experiment with the poetry Insta zine on my Instagram the other day. Okay, um, my, I... Um, tend to, I try to keep up on on the technology and what I have to, do. but Instagram is one of the ones that I'm I've been very sort of I'll say behind the times on. I, I use it to take pictures and put a hashtag on. That's about it. But I'm aware that you can do all sorts. So, so, so what what's an Insta zine? So, um, for those who are who who don't necessarily know, because for some reason that word zine. Um, isn't as as well known as as I sometimes assume, yeah. but it's basically short for magazine. Yeah. Um. So an instazine is where you have kind of perhaps a photograph for a front cover, and then you swipe through, and in place of pictures, there's copy, and it's labelled, you know, page one, page two, page three, like you would a, perhaps an ebook. Yeah. Um. And you just scroll through, but it's like bite-sized bits of information, and so I've just tried it with a poem, and and I did um a photograph for the front cover if you will and then did a stanza per picture if that makes sense but other people are doing little kind of call outs and little punk doodles and little extracts of short stories and fiction and, and interviews and they're kind of laying it all out as though it looks like a little mini square book oh, so it's, like so, a, it's it's fanzines taken onto instagram exactly i remember the I remember the fanzine time, you know, selected this, had them all in, and the football, I remember them from the football. Yeah. It was like, obviously, prints, unfortunately. <laughs> so, that's, I mean, this is what I mean. I, um, the way people in the creative industry make use of these technology where you, in a way that you would think, oh, it's just a photographer, you know, it's just a place to stick your photos of your dinner up or go into the walk your dog or whatever. But the way people develop these and you know the same with you know i'm sure there's twitter poets out there and all sorts i mean it's less of a challenge now they've doubled the thing than it might have been yeah, but even so <laughs> um and i know there's um there's been a bit of a i, I guess um set to or maybe a bit of a, a pushback against some of that hasn't there within the po the poetry world which i think you 
Um, I read you you did a blog yes. in in reaction to an article in is it Poetry Network? Yeah, Poetry, Poetry News. Now, yeah. yeah. Peer review. Yes. Yeah, you're right. And and you touched on it a little bit earlier. It, it sort of starts to speak to the classist hierarchy of literature. Um, which will always be there. It has always been there and it yeah. will always be there. And there will always be something new to kind of bash each other about. Um, I think that's just the nature of human beings. But, you know, I personally, you know, as I say, my background, working class, I was the first in the family to go to university, you know, first in the family to reach 22 and not have kids and, you know, I'm just a very different lifestyle to the background I've come from but that that you kind of grow up with a lot of guilt <laughs> on the back of that you know so I go to the theatre and I can still hear perhaps my granddad being you know scoffing saying oh blood, this is <laughs> you know yeah. and you know jibbing at students and so that kind of stays with you and I think when you're just kind of experiencing a world that is deemed as perhaps above your station or, or more literary or more academic than you're perhaps capable of and then you know you upload a poem to Instagram and people's people are then turning around and saying oh well that's obviously a crap poem and it obviously took you only two minutes to write it and you know people discredit you just because you're putting it up you know on a particular forum I think it's just it's just really damaging and I think it can you know really stifle a whole generation of poets because the world is moving forward and you know I understand poetry is very much about taste and what one person will say is a work of art somebody else will say is absolutely ridiculous um but I just think the way in which that is communicated can sometimes be ineffective I think it becomes more of a class war than it does about the literary work itself and you know a poet Holly McNish um she kind of she does something on Instagram now called sketches and she said why is it that it's okay for you know an illustrator or an artist to upload rough sketches of their work you know pencil out like yeah. rubbings everywhere onto Instagram but as a poet you can't upload a first draft second draft whatever an early draft of a piece of work to Instagram under the same premise of like you know look at this piece it's yeah. shaping up you know um so yeah, you know, I think it does come about to some of the poets that were being, you know, slagged off in the in the PN now review, poets like Rupi Kaur and, and Kate Tempest, and they are very much spoken word poets. And the spoken word genre in of itself gets a lot of trouble from perhaps more academic, if you want to use that term, poetry, because they think it's rubbish. Yeah. You know, the the art form is potentially rubbish. Not not all academics, obviously. That would be a huge sweeping statement, but you know, it is well known that page poetry and stage poetry have a strange um, confrontational relationship that's completely unnecessary, in my opinion. So I think it's important, especially in the role of Poet Laureate, where you're trying to encourage people to write and experiment. You know, it's important to kind of call that out if you see someone who is, you know, potentially being derogatory because of the form, not even because of the work. You know, yeah. that review was slating people who liked spoken word and saying that they were like Donald Trump followers in a rally and it was like that this is supposed to be a literary review and you're not reviewing the work you're doing no. a whole platform yeah. behind it and its followers like just it's very dangerous I think so we need to all try and be a bit more open-minded I would say <laughs>
it goes back, like you said, to what we were talking about, how you do often come out, it does often look, feel, you know, especially because it's how I was taught at school, mm. um, that poetry is a very um, posh yeah. form of, of creativity. But, and, but the, so it's important to get out there and show, and show that there's all these different fun, exciting ways to do it and what they're doing effectively is almost saying well we don't want that crowd yeah we don't want working class people in this world it's yeah. I mean and, and it's not um something that only affects poetry it affects all sorts it affects music it affects mm-hmm. literature you know literature there's a snobbishness to um to easy reading you know to to, to, to the chick flicks the youth adult books and things yeah. you know, there's a snobbishness to Mm-hmm. Harry Potter because it's not classical, you know, and so it it covers all walks of life and the media, doesn't it? It's the same in television and yeah. things like that, which is a shame. I mean, um, I, you know, so I think it's great to get out there as many different ways and make it exciting. I mean, you talked about the different ways you do, and one, I mean, I'm a, I love um, the thing Dave Gorman does mm. called Found Poetry. Yes. Where he basically takes comments off the Daily Mail, and that's, I mean, it's brave because it's it, it must be so sort of painful to have to delve into that. Well, I've made the mistake on occasion of reading comments. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's, some, there's a weirdness about you like that. You just, I'm just gonna have to see what yeah. I was. You know, it's gonna be terrible, but you read it just to. I don't know if it's to make yourself feel better that you don't read it, but yeah. But and and that again is you know any any obviously it's because he's took it onto his TV show and he's got an orchestra. But again, that's come from something, you know, it's just taking comments that are made and turning that into some yeah. into a poem. Yeah. Like you said, in the in similar ways you can do with mm. the, the blackout stuff where the work the, the work's there, but you've got to turn that into something. Exactly. It's experimental. Yeah. And um I I like what I was very interested what you said about um, is it Harley McNish the mm-hmm. the the sketch? Yes. Thing? Yeah. Because I think that's a um, there's a there's a very there's a brilliance to that in that I think when you see only see complete work completed work, mm-hmm. if you're someone that's maybe interested in getting to that, but that's all you're seeing, then it's terrifying yeah. because you look like I can never write that. And you, you said the, this is why it was so important to have a group of people to take your early work to. Exactly. But if you can see somebody like that who's creating great work, yeah. the process they're going through, you think, oh, well, even they, it's even taking them six, seven drafts to get a piece of work. Maybe I can do this. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> it, Absolutely. It makes it, it suddenly seems something that's achievable as well, while something that only, I'm not saying that everyone's going to become Holly McNish. Yeah. What I'm saying is, you can create something and have a go at something exactly. and not be intimidated because all you're seeing is um, the end products of brilliant work. Everybody, you know, no matter what, you know, nobody creates the finished piece first time out, whatever walk of life you're in, do they? Everything is improvement, improvement, yeah, improvement. You're absolutely right. And, you know, I think that's something that we really should kind of look at in general, like, you know, across the education system and everywhere else. You know, we show students finished bodies of work to read and analyse and then expect them to write a first draft and then we mark that first yeah. draft, you know. Exams, look at your English exam. 
you know, you're being marked on a first draft that you've written in, in a pressured environment that you've not had time to kind of sculpt and, and really work on like all the pieces of work that you've been <laughs> reading up until that point. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, you know, we need to definitely show our first drafts more often, I think, and show the process of turning something that's a bit of a brain splurge and then the, the craft of editing it into, into something a bit tidier. Yeah. Definitely. And talking of schools, you mentioned that you, you go into schools and you do poetry workshops and you, you mentioned as well that generally if someone says, oh, we're going to do a poetry workshop, you get oh, a lot of <laughs> thing. I mean, you, know, you get that with most things at school that aren't going out and play yeah. um, or using a Bunsen burner. But what? how do you, because obviously that's immediately you're up against something of a brick wall. Yeah. There. So how do you sort of approach that? in terms to try and knock that wall down and show these these kids that it actually can be really fun yeah so um I, th I think it's there's two prongs to it the first prong is your planning and preparation so all of your lesson planning that you do beforehand all of the perhaps you know spoken word videos you're going to pick to show them the examples of poetry you're going to pick to show them in schools this is specifically for like school workshops I'm thinking, yeah. like you said when people don't want to be there you've got to plan with that in mind you've got to plan that, that you're going to go in there to a room for people that think poetry is what they've learned at school so everything that you plan and everything you get them to do has got to go against that um so that would be the first prong and the second prong um is you you kind of as a person and as yourself and what i would say is is passion is infectious so you know, if, if you come into the room as a teacher or, you know, a facilitator for the day and you're bouncing off the walls of excitement because you're like, guys, look at this poem, look at what this person's done here, here and here, you know, you're going to get a bit of a giggle. They're going to think that you're this ridiculous, crazy teacher. And But by doing that, by coming in very passionate and excitable about something that they thought was boring, you start to raise eyebrows and they think, well, is this interesting? Yeah. Is this person just crazy? And all of a sudden you've got their attention and then you can go in with the, okay, so I want to hear about your life. I want you to write a poem about your bedroom. What, you know do this do that um so really even you know working in in schools and facilitating even that is a performance and you've got to be you know top four yeah ready to go um so yeah i think it would be all about the planning and then all about how you engage with the students and and, and let them explore it how they want to explore you know you can set them a prompt like i said you know I want to hear you write about the bedroom. But if you've got a kid putting their hand up saying, Miss, can I write about my whole house? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> There's no, it's not like your normal lesson. You know, you can take it where you want to take it. And it's about letting that happen, I think. Yes, I guess once they realise they can write about what they want to write about. Yes. Again, um, because so much poetry you taught in school, it's going to feel unrelatable. And I guess in a way that you, once they realise you come from a, you know, working class background a similar background to a lot of the people in the schools going on mm. again it's that idea that this is a sort of they can relate to it it's attainable it's not this thing that only you know this sort of very Definitely. select small group mm. are doing and I guess like you say it's a whole package and yeah. it's about how you present it to them mm. and you know you know you're in you teach a class of whatever many people in a workshop and you possibly there's two maybe one two three people there that are going to find a love of poetry and it's, it's, that's it isn't it it's the same as anything in it if you can get one kid 
to explore something or even um to maybe it was something they were already interested in but they needed to get over that hurdle of being afraid of it or you know uh, because it's again in schools uh, it may be um better now i don't know um but when i was at school as as a as a lad it would have been likely that you would have gone yeah i love poetry you know, mm-hmm. as, as bad as that might sound, you can't. It's no point pretending that isn't the way it was. You know, there are there are still stigmas atta- attached true. in the same as there still are, and it's it's probably better, as I say. And yeah. um, but it was the same with drama when I was at school and anything, any performance, yeah. creative type thing. You were you're supposed to like PE and um, woodwork. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. I guess it's about opening that door and showing them, helping them take that step through it. Definitely. And I think the newer generation of poets, just simply because they're younger, are, are doing that. I think, you know, school kids are seeing people in their, their early, mid-20s, yeah. even, even their teens, really, getting up on stage and doing hilarious poems about modern stuff. And they're like, oh, so you can do it that way. And... Yeah, I think that kind of opens it up. And you're right about, um, you know, can you imagine being in school saying, I love poetry? I wonder if the term spoken word is bridging oh, yeah. the gap. I've never really thought of that before. So, yeah, maybe because, you know, there's a lot of poets in the scene as well who go and gig who hate being referred to as spoken mm. word poets because they're like, why am I a spoken word poet and you're just a poet? What's the difference? I memorised my poem and I said it on a stage. There's no difference. You know, it still took me weeks to craft. It still took the same amount of yeah. work it took you. But because I perform it on stage, I have a different label. You know, so there are some spoken word poets that will just refer to themselves as poets. And rightly so, you know, it's up to them. But, yeah, I wonder if that is a way to kind of pull people into the genre because spoken word feels less weighted than the term poetry, maybe. Yeah, and I think... Even the events themselves have become much more in the similar vein of a gig, music gig, as opposed to sort of little mm. cafe readings type thing. You know, I know Sobar do a lot there. Yeah. I know uh, my wife was at the, the event you did uh, on International Women's Day. Yeah. And she said the atmosphere there was brilliant. And it's and I've been to a couple, because uh, I know Jason that runs so I've been to a couple of the stuff down there. and. And it's it is a the atmosphere and of the spoken word. I mean, they've been doing things at the, you know some of the groups have been doing things at the playhouse. Is it say something? Yeah, yeah, that's do. lovely. Yeah, yeah, and so there's a again, it's that sort of preconception that that poetry events all take place in a library or in a sort of vegan cafe yeah. type thing. But they then they become. They are, almost, they are gigs yeah. now, and there is a whole new atmosphere. And like I said, they sort of, there's a much more of an interactive feel, and everyone's involved. And uh, yeah. which again, especially for the, I guess that's partly to do with the, the new people coming in and the backgrounds people are coming from. Mm. Well, I um, think poetry is so spoken word. Word in and of itself um, started kind of New York in smoky bars yeah. and smoky cafes and coffee shops and you know in the 60s we had the beat poets in Liverpool who were definitely in bars yeah. and were really experimenting you know they were doing gigs while one of them was reading a poem another one would be doing paintings at the side of them and the audience would be drunk and you know I think 
it does have a lot of different faces and characters to it, spoken word and, and these poetry gigs. And you're right, people do kind of think, oh, is it just done in a library? And then they discover it and they realise it's not what they thought, which is the power of poetry, I think. Yeah. It, for, you know, for each individual person who gets dragged along to a poetry night reluctantly and then they discover it, it feels like a little discovery just for them. Yeah. You know, and they come away from this, like, wanting to tell all of their other mates, like, yo, can you believe this? I went to a gig and someone was on stage shouting off about Theresa May. And, oh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> people come away from it thinking it's this experience that they've just kind of unraveled um, or unwrapped for themselves. And, and then I think that's how it spreads, is the shock of it almost. Yeah. So, yeah. It's interesting. One thing that, that we that crops up quite a lot whenever we... Uh, talk to people particularly from the creative communities and i wonder if this you know is similar in poetry is for all the um horrors maybe that the, the situation of austerity and the economy economy and things like that cause it does present brilliant op- i mean it one it encourages people to set up on their own because there's nothing out there anymore mm. but also there is a lot and and one and I, you know angry angry things get, get a lot of people interested don't they and there's a lot to be angry about at the minute and we see this i mean in music sleaford sleaford mods is all new stuff is almost poetic yeah in, in a way you know it's mostly spoken a lot of it is spoken mm. word but and there's an anger there and people have related to that and again as you say and i've also seen you know, there's a lot of poets out there that are doing the same thing. There's a lot of poetry about social injustice, yeah. homelessness and things like that and inequalities. And I think and it sounds horrible, but there's a lot to write about and to perform about That's at the true. moment going on out there. Yeah. It's, it might, it's perhaps more difficult when things are more upbeat. In the, and of <laughs> yeah. course, it's an, also what an escape. <laughs> it offers an escape. That's true, yeah. And, and different poets, you know, there are some poets whose genre or, or kind of speciality is to write purely on those social injustices. Mm. So you get poets who write about environmentalism, about homelessness, about women's rights, you know, and, and that's their niche. Um, and the great thing about poets, and, you know, like you say, you're right, musicians, um, looking at these things and talking about these things, they bring a whole new perspective, a whole new way of seeing things that you wouldn't get if you just listened to the news articles or, or yeah. those other things. So, yeah, it's important. You're right. It's definitely worth yeah. doing and listening to. And I think, um, as well, you, you talked about people going along and discovering something. I think one of the great things about the poetry um, and any spoken word event is because it's, it's a mixture as opposed to a music gig where you probably go along and you know and it's all a similar mm. you know you'll go and see three rock bands maybe mm. you get a mixture of poets and every if you said had 50 people at a poetry gig and they didn't know any of these poets mm. and then you took them out afterwards and you'd probably find that every or more or less every single one of them had a different poem that had hit them most or you know they've made the biggest impact on them mm-hmm. and you'd probably end up with them all arguing because they'd be saying <laughs> yeah. oh, I don't understand why you like that one that one but you know and that one was brilliant and that but that's it it's because it's um because it's relatable and because it's it you know the right poem in, in the same as any any piece of performance yeah absolutely. if it gets you it really leaves a lasting impact exactly. you might you know you'd be Talk, telling everyone about that for days yeah. if you're remembering it yeah um 
before we wrap up, so we've run, obviously running out of time, um, I just wanted to say, wanted to ask if you've got anyone listening and they, they're thinking maybe they've been doing some at home, right? And, um, or they want to take the first steps, what would you recommend in terms of sort of taking those first steps into, into performing poetry? I would say find out where your local poetry events are. So if it's Nottingham, you can go to events like Crosswords, Poetry's Dead Good, Clickbait. Um, there's definitely more, and I'm just forgetting them, but there's a lot. And they all do little open mic sections, and you literally just write your name on a piece of paper, and they'll either put it in a hat and lucky dip if there's too many submissions and they've got to, you know, narrow it down for time or they'll just put you in a queue and they'll send you up and if it's your first time and they call you up you can say it's my first time and I guarantee the whole room will scream the roof down yeah. for you just for for getting up there so yeah open mics are very very important to the community for both new poets and experienced poets because if you want to try new work and you're yeah, not sure well, of it, yeah. doing a whole set just for one new piece is ridiculous so open mics they are the key to growth I think Brilliant, excellent. So, uh, well, thanks for taking the time to talk to us. Uh, it's fascinating, and you know, say it's a subject that I'm not going to pretend I'm an expert on or anything. But it's really, and it's really interesting to to hear of just how vast the, the different types of poetry. Again, you know, I'm sure there's people listening to that who only has only knowledge of poetry like mine was, you know, a couple of years back. Yeah. Comes from reading. Um, you know, first world war poems on in class. Mm. So to know that there's all this other out there, and obviously next week there's a whole yeah a big festival. festival of them taking place across Nottingham, which uh, you know you can find out about on Facebook. Yes, and they've got a web page. Yep, um, NottinghamPoetryFestival dot com. I think it is. Might be dot co dot uk. They'll kill me off the It is dot com. No, yeah. Just, yeah. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No. Check it out. Check out the dates. There are. Yeah, I think like the whole body of poetry is out yeah. next week. So. Yeah, I mean, it's some great, and there's some great. There's this sort of little events that take place at the various libraries yeah. uh, across, as well as you know, events across the city. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm sure there's there's a, well, there's a whole. If you go to the website, there's a whole brochure. We haven't got time to sit here and read out everything that's going on. Yeah, there's poetry pages. Whatever whatever poetry you you're interested in. Yeah, and I'm sure there's also, as you mentioned, there'll be the open. Open mic events. So, uh, if you really want to dip your toes in the water, I thought to say during it during the festival is probably yes. the best time because it's going to be poetry love everywhere, isn't it? Absolutely. And what a thing to say! My first ever open mic was at Nottingham Poetry Festival. There you go. Then. <laughs> Excellent. Well, uh, quickly before we go, if people want to um, find out more about your work where's the best place to look that up yes so um they can follow at wilding georgina on twitter or they can follow um mud press on facebook um and also mud press on instagram and you can find me on instagram as well at georgina bams um so yeah you can dig around you'll find me online brilliant well thank you very much lovely uh, we'll thank look you forward for
So a big thank you to Georgina Wilding for joining us there. And as we say, the Nottingham Poetry Festival is kicking off in a couple of days' time, Friday the 20th of April, uh, running right through to Sunday the 29th. Obviously, Georgina uh, pointed out a couple of events that are going on there. There's a whole host of other events, let's say far, far too many for us to list now. Um, this uh, podcast was recorded at Beast and Library. It's a wonderful place I've been using for a lot of the podcasts. It was revamped last year and it's it's an absolutely fabulous space and it's great to see a, a library that's been revamped and, and being so wildly, widely used and being a great part of uh, Beeston. And it is worth mentioning that, that uh, there will be an event taking place at the library during the festival, and that's on uh, Wednesday the 25th. That's part of uh, Henry Normal's Poetry Hour, which visits various libraries around uh, Nottinghamshire during the course of the festival. Uh, 6 till 7 p.m. at Beeston Library. It's a free event, and it's Henry is joined by uh, poet, artist, and sculpture and designer Pete Ramskill. So that sounds like it's going to be a great hour of poetry. And as I say, he's doing these poetry hours with different special guests across libraries, uh, including Stapleford, uh, Newark, Hucknall, places like that throughout the festival. Loads of other stuff getting on, going on. Some great local uh, poets as well as poets from around the world. Uh, Left Lion have got events on. City of Literature have got events on. Great some of the great poetry groups in the city have got something on so there's plenty to see so make sure you have a look at nottinghampoetryfestival.com to find out what's going on as i say even if you think poetry is not your thing have a look at that and they might i'm sure there'll be something that will uh, that'll grab your attention because there's so much different stuff going on and even if as, as georgina has said if you are there's a mo- open mic events if you do want Maybe to uh, dip your feet into the world of poetry and give it a go. Maybe it's maybe you've got some written. Maybe it's just, you just need that little bit of extra push. And just say there'll be people there as well to offer such great support. And Georgina there as well pointed out how important that was for her getting started. So there you go. Hopefully you enjoyed that show. Uh, taking a look ahead, we've got some great shows lined up for you. Um, next week we have uh, Matt Turpin. As the guest, he is editor of Beeston magazine, The Beestonian, and he's also a member of the uh, City of Literature team, the UNESCO City of Literature team there. We had a great chat with Matt about the whole City of Literature thing. Obviously, talked about some of that with Georgina. They all work closely together. Uh, so that was great, and about literature in Nottinghamshire and uh, and Beeston. Of course, a lot of Beeston in that episode. Again, that one was filmed at Beeston Library. Um, that's the 25th, so that's next Wednesday. The Wednesday after, 2nd of May, we're joined by uh, another poet and also rapper, Ali Short, based in, she's from Nottingham, been producing some great uh, material. She's appearing at the festival, the Poetry Festival, uh, and she's also uh, got a single coming out on the 7th of May, so we'll be talking about that because that's just that we're just coming up. That's called Estranged, and we're also talking about. Um, she released a single last year uh, in the midst of the sort of Me Too movement called Harvey Weinstein is a Prick. Um, so we'll be talking about that as well as everything else Alice is up to and many other things. And then the week after that, on the 9th of May, we're going to be chatting to actor Daniel Hoffman Gill. 
uh, who was he, who hails from around here. He's he's now living in London, and uh, you may probably best know Daniel. He appeared in uh, an episode of Doctor Who alongside Peter Capaldi a couple of years back. He's done various other writing and acting jobs. We're going to find out what is what he's up to. Um, and also, I'm going to be asking him about uh, some of the. He, he often finds himself embroiled in, um, in Twitter, uh, as is the way Twitter arguments and things. So I'm going to be asking him how he's dealing with the uh, the onslaught of abuse you can get on there and how handling it and things like that. So that should be a great chat. So they're the three shows. We've got other ones lined up that we're hopefully be able to announce soon. Um, thanks again for joining us. Don't forget you can check out all of our shows at ngdigital.podbean.com and on iTunes, Podcast Addict or whatever podcast app you're using. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash ngdigital and on Twitter at ngdigitaluk. So thanks again for joining us. Hope you really enjoyed the show. Hope you get a chance to go along to the Nottingham Poetry Festival. And we'll be back next week with our guest, Matt Turpin. Goodbye. NG Meets is brought to you by NG Digital. Visit our website at www.ng-digital.co.uk and you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash NG Digital or follow us on Twitter at NG Digital UK.
Thank you to Jared Wilson there for taking time out to chat to us about Left Lion. Don't forget to grab a cold of issue 100 of the magazine when it's released this month. And for more uh, Nottingham goodness from Left Lion, head over to their website, which is leftline.co.uk. Uh, that's it for this episode. In the next episode, we're going to be speaking to Beeston-based comedian Scott Bennett about his uh, comedy career, his very first days in comedy, right up to his current work supporting Rob Brydon on tour and his decision to take that leap to making it his full-time work. It's a fascinating chat and it was great to speak to Scott and that will be available soon. Keep an eye out for the release of that. Don't forget you can find us on Facebook at NG Digital and Twitter at NG Digital UK and you can check out all the NG Meets podcasts at ngdigital.podbean.com That's it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Let us know what you thought via any of our social media channels and also if you have any suggestions for guests or you think you'd make a great guest, get in touch with us. Uh, you can email us if you want, info at ng-digital.co.uk or contact us via social media. Thanks for joining us and hopefully we'll have you back again for the next episode. And that's all. Goodbye.